From the ponds to the pros, it's time for Beyond the Pond on the Fan. Here are your hosts, Pat Micheletti and Kevin Fulness. Let's talk hockey! At some point, Brett Blakemore, you're going to learn, all he's doing is pushing your buttons. He's going to find your hot topic, he's going to find something that bugs you, and then he's going to push it until his finger bleeds. And you fall into it every time. I know, I You've do. got the hook right there in your in your cheek, and you can't spit the hook. Good morning, Patrick. Can't stop it. Good morning. That was fun. And as much fun as we're going to have over the next two hours talking hockey, I love the crosstalk in the hallway oh. between Sinekin and Tucker and, and, and the three of us just kind of hanging out. I'm trying to talk youth hockey with Trent Tucker. Meanwhile, you guys are talking about old-time Packers and who's the best player in the world. I feel dumber after talking to Jack for a half hour in the the back studio. You feel dumber. Yeah. Well, good morning to you, too. Good morning. How are you? I heard you guys talking about Hey, thanks for getting here on time. I was. You know what? When when you do that, I get excited because it shows commitment to the show. Again, I've never been late. Mm. And you know what I got today? I got my candles. I, I've been I promised these for like two months. I only got one, I, and, and I think there was a, like a, a crate thank, full thank, of them. Thank you, Dan Barrero. But at least I got one. A smile, Dan. Uh, I owe you lunch or something because. <laughs> well, good luck on that. You're Dan. in a good mood now, Kevin. And, yeah. And you're you were up till what four in the morning with fan line? <sighs> Wasn't till four o'clock in the morning. And why I stayed up late had nothing to do with fan line, but that's another story. Um, that was a great night in St. Paul. I mean, I know you had your own thing going on in Minneapolis. And maybe let's start there uh, yeah. because that was, uh, I mean, it was all about the goaltending last night. Justin Close in Minneapolis. You had uh, Marc-Andre Fleury in St. Paul. Uh, I saw all of the wild. You saw all of the gophers. I saw nothing that happened in Minneapolis other than highlights. And I'm sure you got caught up on the, the wild once the uh, gopher excursion was over. But a 3-0 shutout win in front of a sold-out crowd at 3M Arena at Mariucci. That had to be awesome. The Minnesota Gophers in their last, I don't know, 20 games have averaged seven minutes of penalties per night. And that's a, that's seven, an incredible stat. Which is unbelievable, right? Because that's Marcus Foligno over the last, like, two periods. Uh, Jack Jack's favorite player. <laughs> yeah. Does Felino belong on this team, Jack? I um, love Felino. He's a great player. He's a great um, locker right, room guy. All right, stay on topic. Uh, I want to hear what the goal first. Anyhow. So in the second period, they get a major and then two penalties back. But they, they were down five on three for about the whole period. Hmm. Wow. And Justin Close and, the and you know, I give credit to the, the to the penalty killers. Uh, but Justin Close was fabulous, That's fabulous, great. fabulous. 36 saves, right? Yep. And um, Rep Pitlick scores 43 seconds into the game. Gets another one, his next shift, almost had a third one on his third shift. And um and that was that was enough to do it. They they're um played really well. Really, really well last night. That's great because I know that uh they played pretty well last weekend too, yeah. going out to yeah, uh, the call center. They're getting dialed in and uh it's it's been it's been fun fun to see uh guys evolve and you know Oliver Moore another picked up another two points last night has been just lights out good yeah you know, i you know i don't want to single guys out because you know as a team they're playing really really well the best news about that though uh of course the win and how well they played and what they did in net but to see that they were talking about 
a sellout crowd before the game even yep. started against Penn State yep. on a Friday night. That that to me is awesome news. That's and, fan, and, and the atmosphere had to be fantastic. And it sold out today, and they will set their two uh, their series total. Yeah, um, ever. Man. And so that uh, you know, there's there's excitement there, and there's good reason for that. When so, that's sold out, uh, what are we talking about? What's 10, the numbers? Seven. God, that, I mean, that's a great yeah. barn, and that is a great number to yeah, have in and, that building. I mean, and. You know they were they were talking, I mean, seven years ago, eight years ago. Oh boy, you know, uh, I mean, it was it was dreadful. And, yeah, and it's back, you know. And and Bob, I mean, you can't you can't give enough credit to Bob Motzko um, for the players and his staff, what they brought in for talent. It's just. It's been really, it's been really fun to watch. I got to get down there again. I don't spend enough time in Dinky Town you know, Frank, or at Frank the, the arena. Would love to see you. I bet he would. He said to say hello. He doesn't even like to get my text. He did not tell you to say hello. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, I didn't think so. But I'll, you, you know what? I'll go one better. When you see Frank today, tell him I said hello. How about that? I rarely talk to Frank. Jeez, you guys are Frank, sitting no, next I'm to just, each other. I'm just kidding. All right, well, I tell lo- him I, I said lo- hi. I love Frank. So the, uh, I will. I will. I'll, I'll say hello to him. So the Gopher game ends last night. Did you get a chance to watch any of the festivities in St. Paul? I did. Yeah, I, I caught the uh, the last half of the second and all the third. And um, what a what a finish. It was, I mean, and as good <laughs> as that finish was, the beginning of the game was outstanding. I mean, I don't get into these things. I don't, I'm not that, you know, the... It doesn't. I don't enjoy pregame ceremonies because it just prolongs the uh, the evening and all that. But that one last yeah. night was fantastic. To salute Mark Andre Fleury and the 552 wins and the 1,000 1, games. 1,000 games and as a goaltender. 1,000 games. Ridiculous. Yeah. And both benches were locked and loaded. Yep. The Penguins were glued to it as much well, as the best, Wild were. Best buddies, as well as everyone in the yeah. on, in the arena. It was it was an amazing tribute. And very well deserved. It was not a dry eye in to the house. To a great human being and to a, a, a phenomenal, goal, phenomenal goaltender. Uh, that's a that's a hats off to the Wild um, marketing department and everything that they did. And you know everybody showed up for a team that's not in the playoffs to have that thing sold out. Uh, I think you know it, it was it was a good night and to get the win against that team on that night is. Uh, you know, and and it was it was dicey there. You couldn't have written a better dicey. script. Yeah, it, it 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 felt like it was destined for a shootout. First of all, second of all, the way they went into the All Star break, blowing a pair of third period leads, including against a bad Anaheim Ducks team, uh, it felt like it was written in the stars. Here we go again. But Mark Andre Fleury wasn't going to let that happen. And, and Jack did not think that should have been a goal. I know he's got he's running. What a rube! You're watching the game, Brett Blakemore. You yeah, don't he, need to have your camera out and videotaping what you're watching. What what were you hoping to to gain there? Did I, did you call the league this morning? No, to get that overturned. No, I didn't. I if I wanted to get it overturned, I would have tweeted the video before the review was over. What? I tweeted it after when it was already over, saying, "Ha ha ha! We just got away with one." They totally missed it. That was a as lengthy of a review as I've sat through. In that was brutal. However many years of watching hockey, it was at least eight minutes. I think uh, Russo ran the clock at uh, seven and a half. It, it felt like it was 20. Yeah. It, it was like watching the end of a basketball game. It was just not, it was just waiting and waiting <laughs> and right. waiting. It's one thing. You think that's long? Come yeah. to a college hockey game in one of their reviews. Uh, is you it can, bad? You can order a pizza, eat it. Take take a little you know time to digest and then have dessert. 
and then the review will be over in some leagues. It just drives Big me insane. pretty good, uh, but there's some leagues that are it's, – it's dreadful. They were just sitting there, and they reviewed it and reviewed it and reviewed it. Regardless, in the end, I don't know if they got it right or if they didn't. I, I think after – Jack thinks they didn't. Regard, uh, that's fine. They, but after, after four it. minutes, I don't know what they thought they were going to see after uh, the fifth minute, six minute, what they didn't see in the first four minutes. At some point, you got to cut your losses and move on with your life. Uh, it sucks for Pittsburgh. You know, whether it was right or wrong, they were dead set that it left the field of play, hit the protective netting. Uh, those are two valuable points on the line for both teams. Both squads entered the night, Patrick both trailing the playoff spot in each of their conference by just five points. So those two points were massive, not only for the Wild, but also for the Penguins. And now, by the way, with that win, they've won two straight coming out of the All-Star break. They've also won five of their last seven and have creeped within three of the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. Does that change your mood at all about the future of this Minnesota Wild team this season? No. You still think it's time to bury them? Well, no, I just think they have nine of their next 13 on the road. It's not that hard of a schedule, though. When you look really? at what they've got over the next 30-some games, I know they have to go to, to Vegas, but then look at the rest of the schedule beyond that. It's, it's, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but it's doable. Three points is not that much. you got to climb over a few teams, but look at who those teams are. I know they're not scared of the Wild, but why should the Wild be scared of any of those garbage teams that they got to climb over? Garbage teams that they have to climb over. Yeah, there's not no one there that was scared. That's not the 85 Edmonton Oilers that they have to climb over or the 72 Montreal Canadiens. It's the freaking St. Louis Blues. That's one of them. And that's just an example. The Arizona Coyotes. Eh. Very doable. Is it going to happen? Will it happen? I don't know. Can it happen? Hell yes. Okay. We'll see what happens. Okay. This much I do know. We've got a packed show, and it should be a lot of fun. We've also got an opportunity to, to open up the phone just, lines. No, I have no comment. I know. I know. Okay. And, and uh, you know what? I'll poke the bear, and we'll, we'll, we'll get it going here. We do have time for open phone lines as early as 1030, so we'll get to that. But we have to scramble the break because when we continue, there was a big announcement earlier this week. Bill Guerin, not only the general manager of the Minnesota Wild, he's now going to be the general manager for Team USA, one of the big wigs with Team USA. A lot of, a lot of good things happening for the state of Minnesota. For sure. Bill and, Guerin, junior tournament. Yeah. And that's Great what we're going to talk a lot about that international why, hockey. Why is that? Because we are? The state, the state of hockey, right? <laughs> I got to say it in the, uh, should I sing it? Yeah. We got to get to break anyway. One of the big wigs with Team USA is going to join us, John Van Beesbrook. He's next on Beyond the Pond. This is Wild Head Coach John Hines, and you're listening to Beyond the Pond with Falness and Micheletti on K. Garrett's got the puck to Crosby. Rich shot. He shoots and scores. Oh, get in the fast lane, Grandma. The bingo game is ready to roll. You know, when you play with him as a player and you see that he's got a great hockey mind, you know, besides being a good player, he sees the game uh, really well. And, you know, he competed internationally to himself. So, you know, I think uh, he's got a lot of pride in that. And I'm sure he'll do a great job. Sidney Crosby talking about Bill Guerin, a former teammate there with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now Bill Guerin. You, you, you think uh, Sidney Crosby's still a top five player in the world? Hell, oh, in the world. I was going to say of all time. No, in the world. Today. Ah, yeah, I think I could make that argument. Certainly top ten. But that's a, let's get, stay on task, Patrick. 
We've got a guest on the line, and his I name like is. To, I like to get you going. Kevin. I know, I know, and we'll talk about that, and maybe we can bring <laughs> don't that up let with push your buttons. Maybe Kevin. we can bring that up with John Van Breesbrook, though. He's one of the uh, the brain wizards there with Team USA, and one of the guys that announced Bill Guerin will be the general manager for the Team USA hockey, not only for the Four Nations tournament coming up in 2025 but for the Olympic team for Team USA in 2026. John, that's Pat McLeodie. I'm Kevin Fallness. Welcome to Beyond the Pond. Thanks for having me on. Well, that's a, that's big news this week. Uh, it hit us right between the eyes, certainly here in the state of hockey. Uh, talk to us about why Bill Guerin was the right man for the job right now. Yeah, I, I think that we were going down a path last Olympics when it got erupted by the decision by the NHL to pull out of the Olympics and Billy was our guy then. And we just continued down this path of consistency, but most of all, Billy, you know, he's a winner as a player. Um, He makes good, hard decisions and he represents the country well. And I think those three things uh, qualify him the most. Uh, But I think everybody around him, uh, feels the contagious energy that he gives off and, and trying to build teams and make everybody feel comfortable. So uh, I think we, we found the right guy to, you know, to lead us to a gold medal. Beezer, uh, f- uh, congratulations on, uh, on the gold medal in, uh, in Sweden. Uh, you know, that was just, it was, it was a treat to watch, but, you know, going back to, to your playing days and where USA hockey was, uh, to where it is now, and and just the incredible, incredible amount of talent. Uh, you go into these tournaments now, and it's not, boy, you know. Hopefully, we can get close to a medal. It's, you know, we're we're contending for for a gold medal, and uh, you know that that's just got to be a great feeling for you and and all of USA hockey. Yeah, thanks, Pat. I, I think you um, hit it that we're. You know, most of all, we're thankful for having the depth now. Uh, The players that, you know, are coming up through everywhere in the United States, not just in the state of hockey and the traditional marketplaces. I think Arizona, with the gold medal team that just won in Gothenburg, Sweden, we had four players from Florida, Mm. which, you know, is just unheard of when you reference, you know, all of us growing up. In, in, in trying to make it stick for USA Hockey. Obviously, 1980 uh, was a big thing. And then, you know, moving forward, you know, we have the numbers, we have the depth, and we're, we expect to win. So when you go in there expecting to win, uh, you have to put the right pieces in place and have not only the right players, but we got a deep bench of coaches, and our coaches yeah. are as good as anybody now. So. Right. It, it's going to be one heck of a challenge. Uh, Tom Reed had Bill Guerin on last night in the uh, first intermission from St. Paul, and we were talking about uh, what a depth of a, a group of guys that you're ha- going to have to pick from to pick either of these rosters, whether it's 2025, whether it's 2026. Uh, what a wonderful problem to have, but still, that's not going to be the easiest of choices either. No, in and I think that it's great to talk and be excited and, you know, you know, Bill's excited about the position and all that. But when you get down to decision-making, it is going to be difficult. Um, but young players, you know, when you when you cast them forward and they emerge in front of your eyes, obviously 
with the way that Brock Faber has matured for the wild and playing the minutes and things like that. I mean, people are going to speculate what the roster is. <laughs> I, I would say it's going to be a hard thing to speculate because we have a lot of good young players that are emerging and you want to get, you know, the goalie that's hot, the players that are, uh, that are emerging and then, you know, sustain it with the maturity of, of long-term pros who have had successful careers. So that's, you know, that chemistry, that balance, that's going to be hard. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, you're going to be telling some, some, some players that are phenomenal players that they didn't make the cut. And, and, you know, I, I don't think people understand, you know, what goes into, to, to putting a team together. It's just not necessary. You know, it's, is this guy going to fit in in this role? Will he accept this role? If he comes, some guys might not. Right. And, and so it's, um, it's, it's a, it's a great problem to have, but it's it's going to be um, you know your whole staff. It's it's going to be uh, a lot of hard work, isn't it? It really is, and you know we're we're fortunate to have this four nations faceoff happening. You know next uh, All Star Game week, we'll put it in that category, and and to see some best on best play, and to see how that gets uh, selected. I mean, yep. our goal eventually is the Olympics, but. You know, there's best these best on best tournaments and the players wanting to play. They haven't done it for probably over a decade now and you know, they're excited. Yep. And you know, the the situations that occur, health, all the things that go in, you know, players you know, you start looking at who's who's up for contract, who's UFAs, where they situate as RFAs. You know, all these things are factors now. But also this year, you know, with the world championships that happened in May, um, it's possible that we start to see some major players trickle back in the audition yeah. for some of these roles. Yeah. Right. Right. Cause the, the, the norm is right. The, the top players don't, you know, they, they need time off their, their season's done and they opt yeah. out of the uh, world championships. Let's move on. Um, I think the last time I saw you, maybe I ran into you another time, but uh, I think it was back in October when, uh, you and your entourage of, of people at USA hockey were looking at spots for the 2026, am I right? 20, yeah. Yeah. Yep. 2026 world, yep, yep. world junior. And uh, you were, you were touring around and um, eventually Minnesota was, was chosen. How difficult of a decision was that? And how hard is that whole process on picking the right spot, seeing that, USA Hockey was hosting. Yeah, I, I think all those decisions are difficult because you um, you have some, you know, viable candidates. At, at that point, it, it was down to Seattle and Minnesota, and there's no slight in Seattle because of the emerging market there and, and the growth of hockey and and all that. But I mean, Minnesota is just such a great fit for all the reasons. Um, a, you know, great state for hockey in the United States in order to host and represent what we do best. Probably second is the involvement of the community in meaning uh, the people from from the state that really wanted to have a tournament there. They went out of their way to be gracious hosts and to um, to go and, and visit with all those people that were coming out and them 
contributing to that. So I think that's a, that was a big thing because we want to make sure that, um, you know, the tournament gets a center spot and Mm -hmm. then probably the venues and the locations and the perfect fit for having the tournament with the XL energy and, and Mariucci. And it's just, it was just too good to pass up. And not only that, but I think that we, we look at, you know, for a membership services, basically driven, organization and Minnesota has been a we wanted to do it hadn't been there since 82 82 uh, I actually played at the old Met in yeah. that series and, and so it was just the right decision on all for all those accounts yeah. we're talking to John Van Beesbrook for with USA Hockey John if I ask you what does assistant executive director of hockey operations for USA Hockey mean what does that mean what do you do in your role there in Colorado Springs well it's all things hockey operations so anything from uh, putting together our Olympic staffs to um, putting together our women's staff and, and directors and and our sled team as well. And, and then get into the operations of like world junior teams and selecting the players and staff. So it's basically staff selection, player selection, and, and managing in that regard. Um, you know, there's budgets in there as well. I, I won't bore everybody with all the details, <laughs> but it's all hockey all the time. And, you know, fortunately we have a big staff that, that helps out mostly on the youth side and that, so I don't have to, get involved too much, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the governor of our, our NTP teams in the, in the USHL. So there's, there's lots to do, but most of it is, you know, decision-making on staffs and players. It sounds like you're very busy, and that's the here and now. Uh, also, for the younger folks that don't realize, John Van Beesburg was also a 20-year veteran in the National Hockey League. He was a goaltender. Unbelievable goaltender. And one of the best. I was going to yeah. go through some of the stats. Uh, last night, uh, John, we saluted Marc-Andre Fleury at XL Energy Center for 1,000 games in the National yep. Hockey League, 552 wins. Now, I know he's not an American uh, goaltender, but I know you've got some appreciation. John's stats are pretty gaudy as well. Number 11 all-time with eight. 882 games and then 374 wins is third most by an American behind Ryan Miller and Jonathan Quick. So you've seen your share of, of rubber thrown towards the crease as well, much like Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, I mean, it's great to salute Flower and deservedly so. Uh, what a great career and hopefully he keeps going. I know he's chasing the overall record, but I mean, um, when you when you look at longevity, I think that he would probably tell you that, you know, playing over a couple decades is very important. And, you know, how when injuries and he's, he's transitioned into the new game, the way the style and, and all of that for the position of goaltending. So he's really been um, a pinnacle in the sport for that position that has transcended, you know, into the new game, I would call it. But you know, what a great career. For me, I was very fortunate. Small guy, Detroit, Michigan, got an opportunity and just wanted to compete. But, you know, guys my size probably wouldn't get much of a chance right. anymore. <laughs> so I was very grateful to time it right, you know. Yeah. Right. All right, Beezer, I want to get back into the into this Four Nations and the and the and the Olympic. Um, you know, you named your manager or general manager in Bill Guerin. Um yeah. and, and as you mentioned, we have a plethora 
of terrific American coaches. We have a plethora of of um, American general managers. When when the when the decisions for the staff and I and I'm including assistant general managers and and coaches is yeah. is that a collection? You know, when you and Bill Guerin, well, you and B- Bill Guerin sit down and you know, kind of decide together which direction ultimately is it going to be a like a a team selection or is are you going to be the guy that says nope I this is who I want for my coach and you know and so forth and so on down the line yeah uh bill's going to direct most of that traffic as far as um selection process for coaches and his staff and and we have what is known as an advisory group which is made up of the the 10 American born GMs in the national hockey mm. league currently. Okay. Uh, we will, we will have a meeting, uh, on March 17th, uh, down when the GMs meet, it'll be on a Sunday. We normally meet with them as our advisory group that has advised us in the past on all things international to make sure that we get a, um, a good understanding, let everybody speak into it. So we have a, a good group of people, who Bill selects out of that group to be, you know, his close, his closest people to work with and give them roles. That that's going to be up to him. And then that group will probably collectively agree on a coach. And then what I will do is work more on the support staff and logistics and, and those types of things in sure. order to make sure that, that the clock is running. Yep. All right, John, I'm going to let you go on this note. Uh, we know all the good things that are coming up in international hockey. you got to wedge this in here as well. Tomorrow afternoon, it's uh, the U.S. Women's Olympic team taking on the Canadians in the rivalry series, 1 o'clock at XL Energy Center. I know that series, I think, is tied at three apiece. Yeah. They, the, the, uh, the Americans lost last night in, uh, to the Canadians. Uh, what are they going to see? If they come on down to XL Energy Center at 1 o'clock tomorrow, what, what will they enjoy? Yeah, thanks for uh, that shout-out on the game tomorrow at XL. And, I mean, they're going to see great hockey. Obviously, the uh, Professional Women's Hockey League has really taken off. Um, but I think when we when our national team gets together, um, right now, the one thing is we, we don't have the college players involved at this point. So right. it's a shift over to our post-grad players. But the hockey's great. Um, I think they're going to see great compete. And it's, I mean, who doesn't like a Game 7? Right. It's game right. 7 of the rivalry series. I know Canada's come back. Excuse me, but everybody loves the game seven, and I think it'll be hotly contested. It'll be a great crowd and, and big excitement. So come on out to XL Energy. Thanks for the shout out there. Awesome stuff, John. Thanks for doing this. Good luck with everything you guys are doing internationally, personally, and, 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 and everything else. Thank you for else. bringing the, the World Junior Tournament to Minnesota. People are uh, ecstatic yeah. about it, and it, it's going to be uh, quite the spectacle and, and Can't it'll wait. Be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's going to be a great event. Thanks. And I appreciate having me on. All right. Thanks, there he is, John Van Beesbrook. And again, his numbers speak for themselves. We're talking a lot about Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. 1,009 games for a goaltender and 552 wins is a unbelievable number. Hey. But for Van Beesbrook, again, 882 games is a lot. And then he also had 374 victories. One of the most intense guys I've, I've been around. I, I, I got to play with him briefly until I was sent home. But but his you want to talk about a competitor? And the way he played in the net, I mean, and he was he was Team USA goaltender forever, and uh, 
great career, and he's done a great job with uh, with USA Hockey. Also a former goaltender with the Florida Panthers. You know what that means. Uh, he's got history with one blogger from the Athletic and the Athletic.com. <laughs> So I'm sure we'll get into those stories at the top of the hour. They can talk about the rat trick and Melzies and all the other guys that are on that Florida Panthers team back in the uh, 90s. we got to squeeze in a break. We've got open li- oh, phone lines from now until the top of the hour. Russo will join us at about 11 o'clock. We can get up to date on the flurry festivities last night and a huge victory over the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Of course, we can talk about that and more as we roll forward. But open phone lines, including Denny and Prior Lake, 800 800- Three two zero five three two six. You can text us six four six eight six. Drop us an email booth at kfan.com. That's next on Beyond the Pond. This is Wild GM Bill Guerin, and you're listening to Fallness and Micheletti on Beyond the Pond on KFN. Open phone lines here for a little bit. We're going to grab Brad Frost here in just a matter of moments and get an update on what's going on there in Dinky Town at Ritter Arena. They got another big game coming up here on the ice against the Huskies of St. Cloud State. So. Frosty will give us an update on that. Uh, I'm going to answer your question here, Pat. You caught me off guard with the uh, Sidney Crosby question. Yeah, uh, he's not top five right now. He, but all time, he's. I think there's no question he's top five. Is he even higher than that for you? For me, it's Is he top ten right now. Right now, yeah, I'd have to think he'd have to be top ten. I'd have to go and put pen to paper, but I can come up with five. It's, that game, I put. it's game seven of the Stanley Cup. Oh God, final. I want him. Wait, wait, I want him. Yeah, game over, seven. Wait, over. Uh, Nathan McKinnon or Connor McDavid and uh, Austin Matthews. Who are you taking? Crosby, Matthews, McDavid, or McKinnon? You have to throw centerman out there, and it's one of those four. It's a hell of a question. I might still take McKinnon. Okay. <laughs> How about you? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Oh, God. I'm just asking you. Let me ask you about your top five all time. We we went through this on the radio a little bit last night. To me, there's no question. Gretzky's number one. Howe is number two. Lemieux whoa, and whoa. Lemieux and Orr. Those are the you put them in whatever order you want. Okay. I'm putting Gretzky number one. You can do whatever you want. Okay. But your top four: Gretzky, Howe, Lemieux, Orr. What order do you have them in? And does Crosby jump into that top four? I have Bellavo, Gretzky, Lemieux, Bobby Orr. You didn't hmm. mention Howe. No. Is he in your top no, five? No, he's not. He really isn't. Top ten? No. Um, Shut up. No. You're not putting Howe in top your top 15, ten all time? Top 15. Yeah. Gordy Howe? Yeah. yeah. That yes. stuns me. You're an yeah. old-time hockey guy. Yeah. I, You're the guy that you I, I don't. I just wave I, the I banner think, for that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I put Mike Bossy in there. So give me your top I five again. I LaFleur. Give me your top five again in order. Uh, in order? Yeah. Who's number one? Um, you said Beliveau. Is Beliveau ahead of Gretzky? Jean Beliveau, Gretzky. In this order? Yeah, Bobby Orr, um, Lemieux. Okay. And five. I'm having a hard time at five. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, can- sure there I is. would put, uh, I would put a bunch of them tied at five. Okay. <laughs> And Howe's not one of them. He's in your top 15. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I, it's, your, it's an opinion thing, so I can't say you're wrong. Yeah. No, I, it's opinion. I, yeah. You know, he, he might be top five. He might be. You know, he certainly, you know, he was credible. He was uh, in terms of, you know, his popularity and and his. It's more it, than just popularity. No, but I mean, a lot, but a lot of people say Gordie Howe and they've never seen him play. Okay. I, you you know, know what? That's valid. And so. 
Uh, and I haven't seen a ton of him play. I saw him at the end of his career more so. So, okay. You know, so that's, so that's, that's the, the Pat Nicoletti top 15. Yeah. He's in your top 15. You know what? Is- if I were to sit and watch like um, video of him and, you know, game after game after game, I might say, whoa, boy, you were stupid, Pat. This guy really is. So based on the guys that, I talked to the old time guys like a Tom Reed who's played against them, and they they would oh, argue scary. hard to put him in the top five for sure. You know, it's story on Gordy Howe. Uh, my brother Joe was playing against the Houston Arrows in the WHA, and you just you didn't touch Gordy Howe. You yeah. didn't if you did, and he would be not afraid to just destroy you. <laughs> And Joe was out there. He told me this story, and I don't know what the centerman that he was. He must have did something to him earlier. Puck dropped. Gordy didn't even go for the faceoff. He just went bam and yeah. knocked him across the face. Yeah, it was a and different went, world, And went man. right to the penalty box. Yeah. <laughs> That's scary stuff. I mean, he was an intimidating force. You know what? Put him in the top five. Put him in the top. Well, five. it's your but list. I know, but I just. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm used to Gretzky, Lemieux, and Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr, to me, is what he did was Bobby Orr had 134 points in one season as Ridiculous. a defenseman. Yeah, and and he was done at a way too early of, of an age. Yeah, right? his knees Bad just knees. gave out. Yeah. Bad knees, which is um, a bummer. And I've never met him, which I really am bummed about. My brother Joe knows him very, very, very well. They're good friends. And uh, he said he's just an unbelievable, unbelievable guy. Unbelievable. And just stays in the background. And, you know, because we don't hear a lot about, about Bobby Orr yeah. now, you know. Player agent still, though, right? Yep. Yeah. And he's kind of getting out of it okay. a little bit. You know, he's got people running it. But what, what, how about this? This is going to be your job between now and the end of this find, Beyond the Pond season. Find. Get us, get Bobby Orr on the line for us. That would be, I'll, I'll try. You do that because I, he's I can, friends with your brother. Yep. Everybody's friends with your brother. Yep. Much like they're friends with you. Everybody loves Not a Nicoletti. Really. They love Joe. Not me. <laughs> but that's your yeah. job. You get Bobby Orr. But, and before we go to Denny, and I've got completely sidetracked yeah. on this because I find it fascinating. Yeah. So where is Sidney Crosby on your all-time list? Oh boy, this well, he's top list. ten. Yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, put him, put him at tied for fifth. You know, put him at tied for fifth with a bunch of other guys. Yeah, I mean, fifteen hundred I mean, points. Our our game was blessed with 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 just phenomenal people and players. It's just there. You know what? And you hate to slight because you know we go into this. Oh, but this era and that era. I don't care what era you played in. You know, there were unbelievable stars in, 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 in every era. Yeah. You know, I, and you know, if you get, you know, Phil Esposito. Yeah. Phil, I, I don't care. Phil Esposito was phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. And th- there's just so many that you hate to slight guys. Yeah. Right. A text line mentions Paul Coffey in the same Paul breath with, with Bobby or uh, uh, Bobby Orr, I think was another level. Paul, and- Paul Coffey was I, I had to try to kill a penalty against him, yeah. and I'm like, I'm looking at my my guy who I'm killing it with. I know? can't imagine those right. these uh, Oilers. Yeah. I'm I'm out there against Coffee Lemieux. <laughs> um, uh, was Yager? I don't know if Yager was there. He may may have been on the Joey Mullen. And I looked at my. I'm like, okay, let's let's clear the puck and get the hell dump and off. run. <laughs> get off. <laughs> 
because you know you had no chance. Yeah, and they were so good. Yeah, amazing. I mean, I, I think back. I remember watching those uh, eighty uh, Edmonton Oilers teams, and oh. man, Gretzky, Curry, Messier, Anderson. Curry. Uh, then you throw Grant Fuhrer between Yari the pipes. Curry. Yeah, I, you know. I, I know it's it's fun. It's it's a fun exercise to think about some of the greats to ever play this game. And when I think of Bobby Orr, I got to think Brock Faber. At least Denny in Prior Lake does. Oh, Denny, where were you last night? We had wild fan line. No Denny in Prior Lake. My my soul was you empty as I, I went to bed. Be on. That's what it was because I was on the show last night. Oh, that was you. Oh, you I came on as Dave. Oh, okay. So you didn't use your name, or or else they heard it wrong. I thought that was your yeah, voice. Uh, Max uh, got it screwed up, I think. Okay. Well, then it was so good that to was talk me to you. Asking about Bowman. Okay. Well, what okay, do you got today? Here's what I got today for you guys. Ready? Yes. Uh, we have to go 22 and 9 if we're looking at the 95 point uh, benchmark to get into the playoffs, which is 800 hockey. Now, if you take the first 50 games the Wild have played, do you really think we have a chance? Kevin does. I do, I, do Kevin I think, does because he thinks the teams ahead of him are crappy. I'm with you, Denny. I think there's I'm not a lot that. separating any of them, and none of them scare me. Not The Wild doesn't scare anyone, but none of those teams they're trying to climb over scare anybody either. So to think that it can't happen, I don't think that's the right way to look at it. Yeah, it can happen. Is it going to happen? I don't know. Should it happen? I don't know. Can it happen? Hell yes, it can happen. Denny. <laughs> okay, here's, here's my next point, and Robbie. <laughs> and this comes from John Hines' words. Okay. He plays his players based upon merit and performance. That's what he said just recently. Okay. So here I got uh, some players for you with uh, merit and performance. Freddie Goudreau, in the last 12 games, has one point yep. and 14 total shots. Okay. Yep. He's struggling. He's really earned that spot. Not, yeah, he's struggling. Then but who are you going to put in ahead of him? Go ahead. I'd bring up the kid. Yep. I, I think that's All coming. Right, Morell and Goski are ranked 393rd out of 406 defensive pairs. All right. When they're on the ice, the other team has a 68% chance of scoring a goal. Yep. Now they really have earned their spot on the team. Yeah, and Galagoski wasn't Mojo, in the lineup last night, and Merrill's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, it is what it is right now as guys are out of the line. You don't have Jared Spurgeon right now. Yeah. You just got Jonas Brodine back from illness. It's what they've, they've been doing. They've been dealing with a patchwork lineup all season long. Well, I know, but Merrill and Gosti shouldn't be playing at all. The kids should be up here. we got to see what we have. Well, I agree not with that, but they've got – you don't have your eyes on them. They do, and they say that they're not ready yet. And I'm guessing at some point they're going to get their chance. But uh, I don't know that they're trying to stunt their growth. That's not the, the what they're trying to do, I don't think. I, I have no reason to to stick up for the can management. I, can I interject? But I'm just – I don't think anyone's can, trying to stunt anyone's I, growth here. They're, apparently they're not ready. May I interject? Please do. Denny? Denny. Yeah, and then Denny, uh, Denny, Denny. What? Denny. What? Uh, I, I'm just I'm going to explain a little bit to you how it works. Um, when you have guys under contract, you know I understand that you want to bring up all these guys, right? But you can't, and you can't because of the salary cap. 
So unless you want to waive all these players, you have an option to do that. And they have to be they have to be um, picked up, but there there's a point where you can only bring up if they only have seven hundred eighty thousand dollars of cap space. Well, that's what you have to bring up. At some point, they'll get their chance, and then you know, it's up to them to there, make you know, the most of that opportunity. And that will happen, Denny, if Bill Guerin decides. You know what? I'm going to get rid of some guys, and I'm going to be a seller, and you know, move some guys. So you really you have the whole month of March to get into that type of situation about bringing guys up and giving them a chance and seeing what they can do. And one more, that. Denny, we, we've got Brad Frost uh, waiting patiently through our diatribes. Does that make sense to you, Denny? Yes and no, because number one, I would uh, wave and buy out Goski, and that would be a million sticks uh, that we could use. To play all the kids. <laughs> you, you got one more really? for us? Because we got a roll. Yes, I do. Okay. Mojo, in his last 14 games. Who's Mojo? Who's Mojo? Who's Mojo? Is that slow mo? I thought that was the Timberwolves. Who's Mojo? <laughs> Who's Mojo? Johansson. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Marcus Johansson. Got all it. Right. Got it. Got he it. Has four games. He has four games with three shots. He has 10 games with one shot, and he has four games with zero shots. Now, he has definitely, uh, with his merit and performance, earned the top six spot. How ridiculous is that? Where would you put him? What, what are you going to do with him right now? How are you going to get through the rest of the season? What, what are you going to do with, with Marcus Johansson? You're, you're dismayed with him. Well, you throw him one, on the fourth line? I would line? put Beckman up with Boley and Rossi. You're going to bench uh, Johansson? Beckman deserves a shot. Have you seen Beckman play at all? I, I I have not this year. Tell me about his game and what, what he's going to bring. He's a shooter. He's got a hell of a shot. And Does he, he can't play any worse than Mojo. <laughs> All right, Denny. Number two. Hurry up. We got to go. All right. I'll save the rest for next show. All right. You what? guys have a good one. Hey, Wild Fan Line at the end of the week. I believe Saturday night. Pat Bry doesn't know anything about it, but I understand it comes back when the Wild host the Buffalo Sabres. That's what's going on with the Minnesota Wild. Big stuff happening in Dinkytown as well. Brad, thank you very much for your patience. Brad Frost, head coach of the Golden Gopher women's hockey team. Uh, It sounds like you guys had a good outing yesterday against St. Cloud State, and you're hoping for more of the same today at Ritter. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, Yeah, good solid uh, 1-0 win last night, and uh, back at it against St. Cloud State, who's the top 10 team in the country here for the first time in, uh, in a long time. Uh, at 2 o'clock over at Ritter, so we're looking forward to another uh, playoff-type atmosphere here today. Well, first of all, uh, I'm glad you're back healthy. I know you had uh, uh, a weekend off, and uh, anyway, good to have you back behind the bench. Um, the league's getting better and better every year, just like we talk about. It's a it's a damn tough league, isn't it? It really is. Uh, we've got five teams now, uh, five of our eight uh, in the top ten. Uh, St. Cloud at 10, Duluth at 9, we're at 5, 4 or 5, and uh, Wisconsin at 2, and Ohio State at 1. So it's uh, we were just talking to the staff just how tough it is each and every weekend. And, and those other uh, three teams, Bemidji and uh, St. Thomas and Mankato, can, can nip you as well. So uh, we've been asking for parity, and, and we got it, and it's 
maybe not as fun as I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Seven straight wins, sitting third in the WCHA as we speak. Again, going toe-to-toe with St. Cloud State uh, this afternoon, 2 o'clock over there at Ritter Arena. you got to be a proud father, not only watching your gals perform there at Ritter Arena, but when now watching this PWHL Minnesota these are all Minnesota gals coming from the Golden Gophers squad, a good chunk of them. And not only in this squad, but across the PWHL, it must be fun to keep track of that league as well. No doubt. It's awesome. You know, for a long, long, long time, uh, these young women have been looking for a place to play for a sustainable wage, for some insurance. You know, they, they want to play hockey for a living. And, and uh, some of them are able to do that now. And uh, ultimately, the the Olympics are still the main goal for many of them. But they at least have an opportunity to play in a league to help train and get ready for those Olympic games instead of having to rent ice on the side and, and you know, in small groups uh, be practicing together to try and train for the Olympics. So I think the uh, PWHL has rolled everything out really, really well. It's been incredible to see the, the fan support throughout the league and and just the buzz that it's uh, been creating. So really happy for all of them, for sure. Back to your team. Again, seven straight victories, including the 1-0 win last night in St. Cloud. The rematch coming up today at Ritter Arena. Uh, who's driving the ship for, for your team this year? Who, who are some of the big names to watch for? Yeah, Abby Murphy is is probably the biggest name. Uh, she leads the, uh, the country in, in goals. She leads the country in penalty minutes. I've heard a few people actually, Pat, uh, compare her to uh, you back in the day i never Whoa, sorry, I never watched you play but <laughs> did you take some penalties and score some goals just a, as well just a, just a couple she's yeah. got an attitude is that what you're saying because that's what i hear about pat micheletti as a well, player now she's my new favorite player so <laughs> go abby go abby she will definitely be your favorite player all right awesome all right well that's good stuff to keep track of so two o'clock this afternoon at ritter arena we're, we're gonna look for you brad thanks for uh popping on give us an uh, an update of what's going on with your squad and we'll we'll keep in touch as the season wears along appreciate it guys yep take care day. good luck today there you go brad frost head coach of the golden gopher women's hockey team let's scramble the break there uh patrick because when we continue we got one of the best bloggers on the face of the planet joining us do you know who i'm talking about i am one of beezer's best buddies his name is Michael Russo of The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. He's next on Beyond the Pond. Hey, Wild fans, this is Marcus Foligno, and you're listening to the best hockey show on the planet, Beyond the Pond, right here on KFAN. And in net number 29, the best dad ever. <laughs> Wild trying to get out of the woods here, leading 3-2, Malkin, a drive right circle, stop! It's an honor, an honor. No, I got goosebumps, a little bit of uh, tears maybe, a little bit for the game, but um, this definitely felt nice. Thank you, guys. Such a cool night last night at XL Energy Center. Of course, the Wild got the victory. That's the most important footnote out of last night's 3-2 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins, but such an awesome night saluting Mark andre Fleury and 1,000 games in the NHL and 552 victories. There to document all of it for you the forget, Athletic. You forgot Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, he's, well, where do you put him? Stop turning my, I'm trying to introduce. You forgot Peter Forsberg. Forsberg's not in the top 15. Hell yes. of a player. But can I bring in Mike Michael Russo of The Athletic and TheAthletic.com? Good, good morning, Michael. It's going to be one of those. Oh, I, I have a headache. Tell where, 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 where I, Nicoletti I, gives me four minutes of. I have, a, I have such a headache right now. The floor is yours. 
Oh, I don't want to talk anymore. I want to talk about, and I know he's going to take us in about a billion different directions, but let me start it off on the right track about last <laughs> night. I, I, we talked about it on Wild Fan Line last night, you, me, and Mikkel, uh, Molesky, and we had a blast talking about uh, not only the 3-2 victory over the Penguins, but saluting Marc-Andre Fleury and how special a night that was. Yeah, it was. It was. First of all, it was nice to be on fan line last night while Micheletti was getting beauty sleep. Apparently, he couldn't <laughs> I was. stay up and, and do two things. <laughs> That's true. Um, after the Gopher game, yeah, wasn't it an afternoon game too? You yes, or, today. Or, I'm yeah. I'm so pumped. Okay, three o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you had to get to bed early. Apparently. Correct. Um, yeah, no, it was. I mean, look, it it was awesome. I I, I think. I think that, you know, sometimes all of us uh, cynical people, not just sports writers, but fans that have sort of gotten roped into what's been a difficult year with the team, sometimes need to just step back and realize that sports are supposed to be fun yes. and sports are special. And what we got to watch yesterday was was celebrating a Hall of Fame career. And as in my history covering the Minnesota Wild, there hasn't been a Hall of Famer that has played in this lineup. And what's really neat about Marc-Andre Fleury is he came to Minnesota and he embraced it. Um, he absolutely has fallen for the community, the team, um, and his teammates. And um, yesterday, uh, not only did the organization just do an incredible job showing him the love, but uh, to me, to watch, uh, you know, his teammates treat him so well and the fans treat him with such, um, you know, adulation. I just think it's, um, it's it just says everything about the person that he is and the player he is. This is somebody we're never going to see another goalie in the national hockey league uh, in a, in a league that mostly uses two goalies. Now that barely has guys playing 60 games. We're never going to see another goalie play a thousand games. He's going to be one of four in history that I think. Um, And uh, this is somebody that's third in the league in saves and second in victories. And, and again, um, just uh, the citizen that he is. It was just really special to watch. And then to see his family out there and, and as just beautiful, the, the, the words from his kids, and then for him to get as broken up and choked up as he was before the game and then show, remind us all what a pro he is, that he could just go right back into the pipes, play for the first time in three weeks against some of his best friends on the other side, and immediately 25 seconds into the game have to face a double liner uh, it, I, I just, uh, it says everything about this guy's professionalism. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I was so, when they took that four minute penalty and yeah. he had to go in there and, it's, and he hasn't seen a puck, <laughs> yeah. he hasn't seen a puck in, since he was concussed. You're just thinking this is going to, you know, go from a storybook night until just a disaster right off the hop. And then Flurry goes in there and just starts making save after save after save. And then the way it ended in the last 60 seconds with him flying around the crease is, uh, uh, just like vintage Mark Andre Fleury. Um, you know, man, it was just, it was just special to really watch. And I got to spend a few, uh, really good amount of time with him alone last night because I wasn't doing the gamer. So I just sat with him at a stall for about five minutes after he was done with his press scrum. And he just was exhausted <laughs> and not physically, mentally just yeah. as emotional a night as it was. And, you know, hanging out with Crosby the night before and, and, uh, and, and getting showered with gifts, uh, as good as his player is, he's one of the most humble athletes I've ever met. So he just doesn't love this type of, uh, you know, focus on him and for him to, uh, I think realize, uh, how much everybody, uh, still loves him and, uh, is going to miss him when one day, hopefully not soon, he, 
he decides to hang it up for good. I, I just think it was a special evening at XL Energy Center. Okay, now now the question uh, for you, Michael, is is this? He is still playing at a very, very, very high level. the The trade deadline is right around the corner. You you've got to believe that that teams will be calling Bill Guerin uh, for him. Um, what do you what do you think? Uh, what do you think? A that Flurry wants to do. And and what do you think Bill Guerin does with them? Well, the number one thing that he wants to do is make the playoffs in a Minnesota Wild uniform. And, and okay. I think that's his sole focus right now. Right. If it doesn't happen, if it looks like come trade deadline time that it seems like a fruitless endeavor, Bill Guerin, he has earned the right to have this conversation with Bill Guerin and Bill Guerin will let him um, uh know the teams that are at least calling on him and if he is interested in any of them. I think the one thing that reminded me, I said this to, to Brandon and, and Kevin last night, is the one thing that last night showed me and reminded me, and I've gotten to experience it because I, I spent some time in his home in Quebec a couple summers ago. He is such a family man. And, you know, one of the big things that was about him coming to Minnesota was the close proximity that with his kids still in Chicago – that he would be able to go back and forth and see them for the rest of the season playing with the wild two years ago. Um, but it got hard on him and that was, that was very close. So I think that, you know, by definition, any team that's going to come after him, whether it's a Colorado or an Edmonton or a New Toronto Jersey. or Carolina, New Jersey, their goals, the t- their objectives are to go on a three month run after trading for Mark Andre Fleury. True. So Mark's going to have to be, completely comfortable with essentially leaving his family for a little while. And is he going to be willing to do that? So I think it is going to have to do with role uh, proximity and, um, and, and true what he believes they're the true capability of them winning. If a team like Colorado came after him and, um, and he could either share the net or be back up to Gorgiev, I think that would be something that would probably intrigue him. But I think right now it's premature. In Marc-Andre Fleury's mind, they're three points out of a playoff spot again. It's not over. I think as long as he continues to play well, he's going to get a lot of games here down the stretch. Uh, He's actually, in my eyes, outperformed Gustafson for a little bit now. Um, So I think that's part of it. But this is still going to be very, very hard for the Wild to make the playoffs. Like, yeah, they're three points out of a playoff spot, but the Blues have two games in hand. There are three teams ahead of them. And remember, every time the Wild are idle – other teams Those are, teams are playing like correct. tonight. Coyotes <laughs> I, and Predators. I, thank you. I, thank you. This I'm is the conversation just, I have to have with Micheletti during the commercial you, break. Thank you. Thank he's you. He's sitting here putting dirt. Well, he's, just, he's snuffing my flame. I'm just being honest. Yeah. That's all. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's that's why, like, the math still, like, if you look at the math, the Wilds still have, like, a 23% chance of making the playoffs. <laughs> and you think that's foolish when they're only three points out. But, look, I mean, tonight, Arizona and Nashville play. The Wild need both of them to lose. You know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, you know, Seattle plays tonight. Um, uh, you know, who else plays tonight? St. Louis plays tonight. Everybody plays uh, tonight. Calgary plays tonight. They really, every, everybody plays. Right. Every, every single team ahead of the Wild played tonight. And so there, the Wild tomorrow will wake up not looking nearly as good. So it's going to be still very, very difficult. This is the, the position the Wild put themselves in, especially by losing six straight division games before the Chicago win. This is the position the Wild to put themselves in by by going completely belly up against Nashville and Anaheim before the break and blowing third period leads, and so they've put themselves in this spot by not being 
very good this year. And so this is, this is the difficult thing. So, you know, to get back to Pat's original question, the conversation I don't believe has happened yet with Marc-Andre Fleury, but at some point Bill Guerin probably will present some things to him and they'll have a very frank conversation. They're extremely close. And um, as I said to Barrero yesterday, whatever happens after the season, um, uh, you know, or at the end of uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's career, I think the first phone call is going to be from Bill Guerin to try to get him to work for the Wild in some capacity because I think I don't think the Wild are ever going to want to lose nope. uh, his presence in this organization. What does your journalistic intuition tell you about the status of Marcus Foligno? Because that would be another gut punch if they have to lose him for any amount of time. Yeah, it didn't look good. I haven't uh, – Iowa Wild played tonight, so I'll be looking at their lineup to see if they pull anybody out. But, again, the Wild don't play it until Monday, and uh, so you could play all the guys today and then call up somebody tomorrow. My gut – my gut, like, I watched it happen. Uh, he played an 11-second shift at the beginning of the third period and immediately left the the, the ice and, uh, and slammed What happened to him at the end of the second? Tell, for- well, at the end of the second, you know, I do, like, he got tripped up by Marcus Patterson – and I don't know if he got a high ankle sprain, which he's had before, or hurt his ankle. But it was—it looked to me like low, uh, something uh, lower body. Uh, somebody said to me on Twitter that he also might have hit his head on the ice. I didn't see that. It looked to me like he had hurt something, um, you know, lower body. But but we'll see. But um, the way he left the ice there by trying to skate at the beginning of the third and leaving in such frustration just to me doesn't uh, look like it's a good sign. All right, and, me- and that would be and that would be a huge loss. Like this guy, like I, I know Wild fans just keep on harping on the four year extension and the four million dollars and all that stuff. He's had a very good year, and he is still. I mean, you look at them in Chicago the other night. He is still the warrior that he's always yep. been. Yep. Um, like, and that is just unparalleled on this roster. And um, if they lose him, it's going to be a, it's going to be huge. Can we talk about uh, the the trade deadline? I, it, it's always a fun time of the year for all of us, right? Um, which of the contenders do you think uh, we already saw Vancouver and I don't know if they're done. And, and I was going to ask you about Vancouver and, and your thoughts on, on them winning the Western conference, but what teams do you think um, will make the biggest move at the deadline that, you know, for a team in contention? Well, I think Toronto still has got to add a defenseman and I, uh, you know, I could see like them going hard after guys. <laughs> No, yeah. kidding. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and a goalie, by the yeah, way. Yeah, um, yeah. Although Sam, Sam Solonoff lately has been pretty good. Um, you know, uh, look, I think that they're going after either Hannafin or Tanov. Yeah. Um, those, that's, those to me are going to be sort of the biggest defensemen uh, that are going to be uh, potentially moved at the deadline. And it'll be interesting to see what teams go after them. Obviously, Jake Gensel is going to be the biggest forward oh, yes. uh, left wing name out there right now. And I, I really think he's getting traded. Mm. Um, I think that, uh, you know, just uh, seeing Kyle Dubas in the press box yesterday with Pittsburgh, I don't think he's very happy with this team. And I think he's starting to realize that they're going to have to do some sort of quasi rebuild here. And I'll be interested to see how Sidney Crosby handles that. Um, but the biggest intrigue to me, again, is goaltending. Like, there are some true contenders out there that have to be very worried yeah, between the pipes. Right. Carolina. Carolina's got to get a goalie in some capacity. Yes, yep. Jersey's got to get a goalie in some capacity. You know, a month and a half ago, I would have said Edmonton, but Skinner's been really good. So we're, now it's a matter of just fortifying and getting, um, you know, a backup. I don't think Toronto's very comfortable. And Gorgiev's go, getting overworked in Colorado, so I think they're going to want to at least upgrade behind them um, with somebody like maybe a Fleury or, or somebody like that. You know, there's Jake Allen out there. There's Elvis Merzlikens. There's John Gibson. 
John Gibson would obviously be a huge, huge move. Alex um, Daylock. But I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, you know, I'll be interested to see what Arizona does. I don't think Arizona thought they'd be in this position to make the playoffs. And, and right now, obviously, their future in that city is is very much up in the air. But what happens with Jason Zucker, Matt Dumba? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'll, it'll be just interested to see if they almost pull the plug. And if that happens, then maybe – uh, a team like Minnesota doesn't really have to worry about them, uh, you know, anymore if they're essentially going to sort of throw away their chance of making the playoffs. I can't imagine the NHL is super intrigued about the playoffs being oh. played in a 4,500-seat arena. I don't even know where they put the press. We'd probably have to sit in the press box or and, 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 you know, like in the parking lot or something. If the, I, I, it, it irritates me that – you know, the National Hockey League, the the greatest league in the world, and they have a team playing in a 4,500-seat arena. I mean, I know it's a great yeah, market. Yeah, and they, they got a – And they don't want to lose that market, but my God, yeah. come on. It's a, it's, and, and it's just being run so unprofessionally right now. I mean, not paying bills. They got a mm. – you know, the way I understand it, like the owner's son's friend has been running their Twitter account for a year and it's just gone rogue with the most unprofessional stuff playing right. with the heart springs, heart springs of coyotes fans. Um, and, and they just never can get their, you know, what together. And, yeah. and that's why I just think that, you know, the, the NHL has been extremely flexible with all their deadlines. It was supposed to be January 1st that they had to have sort of pen to paper on where they're going to build a new arena and it still hasn't happened. And it's mm. February 10th. And now they're talking about the summer or, you know, I mean, it's just insane. So, you know, I fully believe that they are moving to Salt Lake City. And um, but I also fully believe that when expansion comes in five years or so and this or and this league, without a doubt, like there's no doubt it's going to go from 32 to 34 teams. I think Atlanta is going to get a team uh, You wow. know, where they're building arena in the Alpharetta area. And then I think that if. Arizona moves to Salt Lake, that Arizona would actually be the second expansion. Yeah, I agree. I I agree. The the, league does not want to punt. Yeah, they need a new owner, right? They don't want, they need a new owner and they need a building and they don't want to punt on that market. And if they could get there, you know what, together. Yep. Um, and in that interim, um, build an arena and, you know, and then have a new ownership group come in there, I think the NHL would actually go back to Arizona again. So, um, but right now it just surely feels like, uh, like this, this, this team's in real dire straits. Um, and, and you remember, I mean, when Winnipeg got Atlanta, it happened seemingly overnight, you know, everybody yeah. was preparing for, um, another market. And then next thing you know, it's like, hello, Winnipeg, uh, got the Atlanta thrashers. And, uh, so it's going to be. I think uh, really fascinating these next couple of weeks here, how this, uh, because it's coming. Um, there's going to have to be some sort of resolution. Uh, you know, the NHL can't even put out a schedule right now. And from what I understand, they're doing multiple schedules with Arizona in the league next year and with uh, Salt Lake and wow. uh, having a team. So wow. we'll see. That'll be interesting. The The Utah Coyotes. I, I want to talk about another team in the Western Conference. We know what, what type of turmoil LA has been going through and the coaching change and all that stuff, but how about the Winnipeg Jets? They've all of a sudden lost five yeah. in a row. What, what's going on with them? They've got this this world-renowned goaltender in Hellebuck, but everything else feels like it's just kind of gone quiet. Yeah, I you know I'm, I've been a lot higher on the Winnipeg Jets than say Anthony Lapanta for all year long, and now he's just uh, reveling in this, trying to make me look bad. <laughs> I like but like but 
like teams just don't have bad stretches. Um, this stretch is coming at a little scary time for them because they're just getting outplayed so dramatically in the games that I've watched. Um, but I also think that sometimes teams that have sort of, you know, um, for a while, they, they, I think they got high and mighty when they beat the wild home and home and things were going awfully well for them. And then you get to the mid season doldrums and you just almost get bored and have trouble mustering up that motivation. I, I really do think that's what's going on with them right now. Um, you know, unless Sean Monahan is just a total, uh, <laughs> total, uh, although he wasn't there for all of it, but, uh, but I, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I just think that they're going to be fine uh, as long as they continue to stay healthy. Uh, but but you're right. I mean, for a while, it looked like they could win the conference and the division. And now they've let both Colorado and Dallas pass them. And so they've got to get their their act together. But they've banked enough points where I think surely they're still a playoff team. But they are certainly not the team that I was starting to think is a true or they are not looking like a team that I started to think is a true Stanley Cup contender, at least in the last couple of weeks before and after the break. So um, I think they'll get their act together. Uh, but but right now it definitely has been pretty hairy there. Uh, when are you going to join us in studio for an hour? An hour? Yeah. Like the full I mean, hour. So, see, so then we I can see, give you the full hour. Enough. You don't have to commit to anything. You, you, you say whatever okay. you want. You're not committing to anything. It's one fine. One of these days, uh, February 18th, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing Sunday sermons. Maybe I'll have one of you guys in for a full hour. There you go. All right. That'll work. We'll, uh, we'll, Brett Blake, we'll, are you available on February 18th? Oh, boy. No, no. Yeah. Oh, you just woke him up. be here with you. He's watching soccer. <laughs> Ask him what oh, you're, right, you're producing that. That's going to be awesome. Of course. That'll be a uh, lot of fun. That's great. <laughs> hey, hey, settle another argument for you. You can't settle the argument because there's no five. settling. Yeah. Top five all time. I said Gretzky, Howe, Lemieux, or, and then I'm throwing Crosby at my top five because I saw him last night and he continues, to, much like Flurry, an ageless wonder. What's your top five and why is Howe um, in it? <laughs> um, if it was my top five, I'd probably go Gretzky, um, Beezer, Lemieux, <laughs> or hmm. Mellonby. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Like, what really bothered me with the Athletics NHL '99 that we did is that we had like uh, we had like it should be Beret, <laughs> don't you think? Val or Pav? Val. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think of the you probably didn't hear it, but the conversation with with John Van Beesberg? I was going to bring that up. Here's one for you. Here's the one that I was just getting at. Like, like Pat, who's the best goaltender of all time? Because we had in our NHL oh. 99, he was in top five, but we had like Hashik, and that actually surprised right. me. So he, I, I to to finish my top five, I I'd, I'd probably actually have Sidney Crosby in there. Okay, um, or, or Yager. You'd um, list. We had Hashik as our top goaltender of all time. I think he was seven or eight. Wow, mm-hmm. what's your what's your what's your opinion Boy. there? Oh, so again, Hashik over Wah over Brodeur. Uh Hashik was so darn good. Um, Completely I, 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 unorthodox. I, yeah, I, I I still like the competitiveness of Patrick Wah. Yeah, see, I you, agree with you. You know, I just yeah. think, man, if you want to win a game and you want an an intense guy who will do anything. Including beat up Vernon and, and Osgood. It, well, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's... Fiery competitor. All three pretty pretty darn good. And and you yeah. sidetracked my top five, but Micheletti said Howe is not in his top five. He said maybe in his top 15, and, and, but not in his top five. And, and, Your thoughts? Yeah, but but I said that yeah. because I didn't see enough of Howe for me well, to, that's to, how I, to, to yeah. make a, a judgment on him, you know? And and if if Pat didn't see enough of how you know I certainly <laughs> didn't because he's about forty years older. Than correct. Me. But correct. um, but uh, 
I mean, honestly, I never really saw how other than when he was like doing the old uh, comeback tours where we go play in like the ECHL and stuff. So I, I mean, that is that predates me. And well. I'm a big so Mike. I just have, oh, I'm a know, big. I always Mike. have trouble. Go ahead. What's that? Go no, ahead. No, what were you saying? I'm a big. I, I I'm a big Mike Bossy like, guy. Oh, trust me, that was my guy growing up. Right. Um, but uh, you know, so I have trouble always contextualizing like. You know, guys like How and the, and the Lafleurs and all the people from yeah. yesteryear, the Espos, because I never really got to see them. Um, you know, I've covered the league a long time. I got to cover guys like Gretzky, but I mean, or predates me and things like that. Um, you know, I just like guys like Sackick, Forsberg. Those are people that I think I probably maybe overinflate because that's sort of my era. The Eisermans, um, the Bossies, the Trottiers, uh, you know, the Denny Potvins. And Phil Esposito. Phil Esposito. Yeah, I mean, name how that, many uh, Pat brought up. Michael? How many yep. defensemen were better than Larry Robinson? Yeah, exactly. Or, or you know, my my dad used to tell me that Brad Park was. Oh my God! Yeah, I forget. Seen, I so. you know, you just forget about guys. Brad Park was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Ray Bork. Uh, I got to bring this up. Uh, give me your best John Van Beesbrook story because we had him on earlier in the show. <laughs> so Beezer and I. You know, I don't know if he if you asked him about our relationship uh, when I was younger, but it wasn't as good as it is now. Let's put it that way. <laughs> he was uh, feisty, wasn't he? He was feisty. Yeah, I bet a young Mike Russo was too. He, yeah, he did. He did not love me, but I mean, um, but Beezer, uh, I mean, he was like you, you got to like that was back when a true expansion team was a bunch of castoffs. You know, the, the, when Scott Mellenby went there and Tom Fitzgerald and Bill Lindsay and and. Dave Lowry and Mike Huff and Jody Hull and all these guys, you know, the, the, it was, it was just a bunch of players that teams really genuinely wanted to get rid of. So in 1993, when they got Beezer and he almost single-handedly got them in the playoffs, I mean, it completely made the South Florida market fall in love with that franchise. And then in the third year of that franchise, Doug McLean as a rookie coach after Roger Nielsen and, and Bobby Clark left the organization. Um, that team goes to the Stanley Cup final and captured the imagination of all of Florida with the rats and everything like that. But it was all because they had this unbelievable goaltender in net that throughout that playoff series went toe to toe with some of the greats, including, uh, you know, in the Stanley Cup final, Patrick Waugh and a triple overtime before you at Krupp scored. So, um, you know, my memories of Beezer is more just on the ice and seeing just absolutely how good he was. We had a complicated relationship off the ice because at the time, um, part of the agreement that the Sun Sentinel did, had uh, with the Florida Panthers was uh, is that the, the the coach would write a Sunday column in the Sun in the in the Sun Sentinel every day, but I would ghostwrite it. Well, Doug McLean, the year of this column, was fired immediately, and Brian Murray took over as coach. So Brian Murray was the GM and the coach. So every single week, I got to sit down for an hour alone with Brian Murray and ghostwrite this column. Well, that was. John Van Beesbrook's last year with the Panthers, and it got very, very ugly where he was asking for a lot of money relative to that time, four and a half million. And I was essentially documenting it all the time on the play-by-play of negotiations. And he didn't obviously like that because essentially it was it was sort of the mouthpiece of the GM and the coach at the time and sort of driving him out of South Florida. So it just created a lot of tension between Beezer and me. Uh, during the, that time, uh, during his last year in Florida. So um, we, we're much tighter, let's put it this way. Uh, we get along much better now than we did, uh, you know, 
1997. Let's put it that way. All right, one more because you're you're cutting into Brett Blakemore's breakaways. Okay, uh, a quick one. Our our good friend. Well, first of all, that that's deserved after (laughs) the last time I was on. Yeah, no, no kidding. Brett Blakemore cut into my time. (laughs) Yeah, Um, uh, our good friend Lavelle E. Neal asked me a question: Any Blackhawks on in your top five? Well, here's my list: Pitt Martin, Mm -hmm. right? John Marks. Uh, Keith Magnuson, uh, Tony Esposito, Makita, uh, Stan Makita, Tom Reed, and, and Tom Tom Reed <laughs> Bobby Hull. Um, uh, who else would I put? Al Secord, Steve who, Larmer, who, who, Steve have, Larmer. Yeah. Who, who are we going to pick from that? Have group? you not? Have Chelios? you not mentioned the what's going to wind up being maybe the best American of all time, Patrick Kane? I, oh yeah. I, yeah, yeah, Patrick Kane. He's on the list. Chris Chelios, not in the top five. Um, yeah. I know, I know, but I'm just saying, I, you know. Now, what, what, black, what black hawk would we put in there? Nikita. Are you talking about all time? How about Bobby Hull? Why yeah. not Bobby yeah, Hull? there you go. Yeah. 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 Probably, Lard. I'd go, probably go lean toward Makita first. But Mur- I mean, Murray Kane's Bannerman? Maybe. Murray Bannerman, <laughs> yeah. maybe? Yeah. The, yeah <laughs> did did Mur- Murray Bannerman had the best mask ever, yeah. right? Yeah, he was great. Yeah. All right, so. we got to go. That's enough. It, will this get you off my back? Was this enough time? Yeah, this was this was incredible, guys. Uh, how was the candles, by the way? Were no, no, nice? no, candle singular. Okay, it, well, it was what he and, got and candles. Is there, is there a chance? Is there a chance that this candle actually wasn't the one mailed to him, and he got it just at Home Goods for like four ninety nine? It's more than possible. <laughs> this is what I'll say: Dan Barrero got candles. I got candle. Singular. I'm so. taking Barrero to lunch because Falmus is and in a great just remember mood the today. Person- the person that created all of this, which was me, that allowed you to get this incredibly ga- gracious gift yep. from some good Samaritan, I got nothing. I, I credit you for all the good things in my life, Michael. Yeah. There's no yep. doubt. Yep. Hey, just real quick, how how much time is Brett Blakemore going to now lose on his uh, – He's lost a lot because we got another guest right. coming before we're out at, at noon for uh, Meat Sauce and his gang of uh, fools. So we, we, we've got we to gotta hurry here. All right, see you guys. See ya. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And Michael Russo of The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. Uh, we gave him a, a, over 27 minutes, so hopefully that well, – uh, last time he got four, and he was not happy. And he said it was one question from you, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully this was better, and uh, that will soothe what ails him. Uh, we got a break, and then we've got to squeeze in a quick version of Brett Blakemore's Breakaways. Breakaways. This is Wild Captain Jared Spurgeon, and you're listening to Falness and Micheletti on Beyond. Home for football. It's time for Brett Blakemore's Breakaway. Caprice in alone. Nobody going to catch him. Caprice Real quick, Brett, before we get to that breaking news via the Twitter machine, I don't I don't have audio to go with it. It's just a tweet from Lou Nanny in his short pants at an exclusive club surrounded by guys in white get-ups of their caddy uniforms. He's laying down on the green, pulling a ball out of the uh, golf hole, and it says sometimes a blind squirrel finds an acorn. I think Lou Nanny in his 80s just hit a hole in one. But here's the question. Yeah. Will he buy drinks for everybody in the, in the clubhouse? <laughs> he sure as hell better. But he looks so happy. Look at him. He's just, I, I'm watching the uh, the video on. You can go ahead and find it on Twitter at Nanny Lou is how he goes on his little Twitter machine. But how cool is that? That's awesome. What can't this guy do? Anyway, I'm sorry, Brett. We've he's already pointing. shortchanged you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not listening to the right. audio, but the, he's pulling it out of the golf hole, and he's got the ball <laughs> in his hand, and it's labeled. Sometimes a blind squirrel finds an acorn. So 
I think Lou Nanny the hole in one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Must be nice to be golfing right now. Must be nice to be Lou Nanny. Are you yeah. kidding me? Doing anything. Exactly. All right, wow. get to it's, it. All right. What was your biggest takeaway from the presentation and the whole uh, shebang for Mark Andre Fleury last night? His kids. Oh, you, Kevin. His kids. I mean, they stole the show. The whole thing was so well done, and they had a bunch of guys from his, whether it be Crosby, and guys from the team that uh, saluted him, and, and great job, Mark Andre Fleury. But when they cut over to his kids, there was not a dry eye in the house. And there was another uh, a part of the video montage where the, his kids were jumping on him in the crease in the outdoor practice. I mean, to me, it was already well done, but that was the punch in the gut when they did that. It was just awesome. That's I, what I took away from it. I loved how uh, in the video with their with his kids, they're perfect, you know, American accent English, and they just throw in a little, like, love you, Dad, in French at yeah. the end of it, too. Like, it's of course. so well done. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I don't know how... He, you could tell he was an emotional wreck. Talking to Gorg in the post game, but even in the pregame, he's trying to keep it together. He's, he's standing there. Uh, well done ceremony, and thank goodness they got the victory, and it was just an all-around awesome night. A follow-up question, how long is too long for these? I mean, it, Flurry deserves all the time in the world, Yep. but I mean, I, I've sat I was some getting concerned. Yep. Yeah. In 20-some years of, of doing this, and even before working with the Wild and, and working uh, at XL Energy Center, I've certainly sat through some long ones, um, but this one was perfect. I, I wouldn't have changed a thing. It was fantastic. Uh, we need to wake up. Here. No, uh, this will wake him up here. Uh, so Russo, speaking of the guy we just had on, wrote an article when Beckman got called up how this is his big shot. And Bill Guerin, I think, even confirmed that in, in the article. Like, here's his chance. Here we go. He's got to make an impact right now. He sat in the press box for one game and they shipped him back to Iowa. I I understand if you don't think he's all that, Pat. It, I don't know what's if he's the, what's not the, all that. Then I, let's I, find I, out. Well, I think he'll be back, but well, go ahead. Well, well, I'm sure he will be, but it's just frustrating. You can't build it up and then just pull it out. Like, there's your shot. Well, they didn't build I it up. You- Russo built it up. Okay, well, Here, here's that. the thinking, okay? They needed a body because of injuries. They call him up. And and they didn't need him. Because Letary was fine. And they still believe that they are going to make the playoffs. And so Coach Hines puts out, what he thinks, because he is the head coach, his best chance to win a hockey game. You can disagree, you can agree, but that's what he thinks. If they are out of the playoffs, I'm sure, Jack, you will if? see Adam back. I'll tell you Adam this much. Beckman up. If uh, Felino's, but hurt. I have not seen Adam Beckman up. I've seen enough of him. I know what he can do. He's got 19 points in 38 games right now. Um, so. It is what it is right if, now. If Felino's hurt, you're going to see Beckman back up in Maybe. the lineup. But I'll guarantee Maybe. you this much. Regardless, when he does get the opportunity, he sure as hell better make the most of that opportunity or because else. he's not going to get many yeah. more. Yeah, we need guys like Lucini in the lineup. We can't have Lucini's our young been prospects. Great. Lucini's been great. So you can say what you want. Playing that fourth line the last two games, he's been great. I just Continue. It's fine. One it's, more. We won't give him the... Um, <laughs> Bill Guerin, speaking of Bill Guerin, not Wild-related, though, he is the GM of the, the Team USA for the Olympics and the Frozen Nations face-off of champions. Uh, in not the years past, name. no, no, it's not. Uh, if you recall back to the World Cup of Hockey, the one year that they did it, was it 2013 or 14? 
the U.S. decided to put out more of a grit grinder lineup to counter the Canadians. Yeah, Brian Burke was there in the team. Yeah, exactly. They wanted to counter the Canadians and be physical while the Canadians are just all skill, and the Canadians killed them. Uh, do you feel like that's going to be an issue? Where do you stand on that? Would you rather see the the young stars that are American now, or would you rather build a complete team with these grit grinders? Pat, I, I don't. Uh, there's no way to me that. This well, American team if you're is asking be able to me if, if Brady Kachuk and Matthew Kachuk are going to be on the team, of course, and they should be. Um, and they'll provide that grit and the ability to play the game. I mean, I think uh, uh, Matthew Kachuk had over 100 points last year or 90-something. Um, I think you're going to see a balance, and, and you're going to have to say, hey, player X, we, we see you in this role. Are you okay with this role? And you're going to get a reaction from that player. And if they don't get the reaction that they want, guess what? Player X, who may be a great player, may not be on the team. Yeah, there's no reason. Now, here's think- what I will guarantee. Okay. Brock Faber will be on that team. I, I couldn't agree more. Okay. Without thanks. a doubt. Uh, how about Matt Boldy? No, um, he's going to be a bubble. Okay. I mean, the Americans are that good. Yeah, and that's... And- that's what I'm saying. When you look at it, for whether it's the Four Nations or the Olympics and you map out the what it was when they last had this World Cup or whatever you said in 2014 compared to where it is now, there's no reason to think that I don't I'm not guaranteeing a gold for the Americans, but they're going to contend with the Canadians, the Finns, the Swedes, it's gonna and be, everybody else. It's going to be phenomenal. Every lineup is going to be loaded. Every, so it's going to yeah, be fun. Yeah. Real quick, NHL.com put out their for, projected forwards for the face-off of uh, elite nations. Yep. Yeah. Um, Austin Matthews, Jack Hughes, Matthew Kachuk, Brady Kachuk, Jason Robertson, Jack Eichel, <clears throat> uh, JT Miller, Kyle Connor, Clayton Keller, Dylan Larkin, Tage Thompson, Brock Besser, and Alex DeBrinkett. And no mention of uh, one Matt Boldy. Also, those I are forwards. So. I would take at least one or two of those off. Of, I would call them bubble players. Um, I, I also noticed Faber was mentioned on their defensive they did the they didn't mention uh brodine on the swedes which i was surprised they mentioned eck and they mentioned uh gustafson but they didn't mention brodine uh the swedes are loaded back on defense mm-hmm. i mean they are loaded yeah you know and so brodine might be a bubble on that on that team we gotta go we got another guest to uh, jump in here the okay. counter of the schloss set up by pat micheletti so we're gonna have that argument next on beyond the pond This is Ryan Hartman of the Minnesota Wild, and you're listening to the best hockey show anywhere, Beyond the Pond on The Fan. The Fan and the Big Ten want to help you win $1,000. Studios on The Fan. My idea is to have the top eight host, and yep. then the, four, the highest four advancing teams host in two separate weekends. I want every game to be home site until the Frozen Four. One side of the argument, that's our buddy Brad Schlossman. We have him on all the time. The counter to that is Adam Woden of College Hockey News joins us now on the line. Thank you for your patience, Adam. We've we, Terrible clock management here in the Twin Cities, so we apologize for that, but uh, definitely thank you for taking time out of your morning. No problem. I'm here. <laughs> so, yes, you and you do some great work there at collegehockeynews.com. On Twitter, we'd find you at chn underscore Adam Woden, W-O-D-O-N. Uh, we've had this conversation, this ongoing debate, Pat Micheletti, Brad Schlossman, and I know you know Schloss very well. I don't know how well you know Micheletti, but they've been having this argument. You got to move the regionals on campus, on site. You have the counter uh, to that argument, from what but, I understand. Uh, yeah. 
yeah, no, I mean, I know Pat. Pat, uh, hello, great guy. Hello, good to, good to see you. Good to hear um, your voice, Adam. <laughs> Brad, I've been arguing with this for 10 years. It never stops. And uh, every year we have uh, a beer in uh, Denver when we see each other. So it's all good. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, as I wrote in my piece, it's like I've kind of softened a little bit because I think a lot of the um, inadequacies of the pairwise have been smoothed out a little bit over the years. And I also understand some of the frustrations of people. So I think if it does happen, uh, I don't think I'm going to cry holy murder anymore, maybe <laughs> like I would have five years ago. But um, but I also I just do think that uh, I sort of need to be the devil's advocate here since everyone seems to be, or at least the most vocal people and uh, the biggest fan bases seem to be all about uh, bringing these regionals to campus because I do think there's a fairness issue still at stake. I do think there's an issue with a lot of schools that are actually their arenas. I mean, if you take out the top 10 or so arenas, the regionals actually outdraw almost every other arena's home capacity. So it's, uh, and, and again, that I realize that there are issues for people quote unquote out West. And I hate, saying that because, you know, it's uh, the ridiculous argument I always hear about Eastern bias, which is ridiculous. Let's not even get into that. Right, but, right, um, right, right. So I'm very sympathetic to the, the West. I hate to do East-West because it just feeds into that whole, like, us versus them mentality. And I don't look at it that way. It's just the fact of the matter is that logistically, it is true that there are not a lot of venues in Minnesota and Michigan, such as there are AHL arenas in the East. So the venues are limited once you take out home arenas. I get that. And my issue is I want to fix the problems with the current system. Mm -hmm. I do not want to throw out the neutral site component with it. I want to be able to say, you know, you can host a regional at your campus arena like they used to be able to. And I I, I don't want uh, four seeds hosting if uh, they get the four seeds when they don't really deserve. I want to take out all of those issues but keep the neutral sites in general. Okay, I'm a solutions guy, okay? So I, I, you know, when I hear your take on it and I hear Schloss's take on it and you, you both bring up very, very valid points. And ultimately, we all want what's best for the game. And yeah. so I, I think there's got to be, there's got to be something, and I haven't figured it out, and... But there's got to be, um, um, you know, a happy medium that that's going to benefit all of college hockey. Correct? Yeah, I feel like there is. Uh, I don't. I don't know what that is either. Honestly, I think the best thing about all of this right now is that uh, David Carl, in particular, who I have yep. great admiration and respect for, uh, and now that I live in Denver, even more so. Um, I think he's correct in saying that we need to have the conversation because I think for I'm, I'm uh, sick too of conversation now, it's been swept I, under I, the rug. Yeah, it, it's it's what people are having the conversation. As you as you right. um, uh, pointed out, you and Schloss and myself and Falness and <laughs> everybody have had these conversations for the last ten years, and yeah, and, and we haven't, and, and nothing has happened. We need guys like David Carl stepping up and willing to say, you know what, guys. You know what, brethren, coaching brethren, um, you know, we need to get our heads, uh, you know, uh, uh, thinking the, the, the right way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what happens every year is, you know, the coaches meet in Naples at the end of April 
And uh, in between uh, golf and other seminars, they wind up having heated conversations about this and that. But this topic always seems to get the short shrift. So in that regard, I uh, agree with him. Uh, he's, he's afraid that this year, you know, the NCAA has got a lot of issues going on right now, as you know. Yep. Uh, and, and in particular, for hockey, there's uh, the, the, the issue of whether major junior players are going to be eligible yep. once again. Yep. And the problem with that is uh, that all of these issues are kind of out of the control of hockey coaches. Even the major junior issue might be decided for them by a, some court somewhere. So, you know, his his position is that all of those issues are really not in the control of coaches. Let's talk about something that we do have control over and make that as good as possible, you know, and get out ahead of that as opposed to waiting for all these other issues to to uh, to hit. Well, I tell you what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do, Adam. We're going to get you. We're going to get Schloss in we're a gonna, cage we're, match. We're, no, we're going to get. Oh. they're going to they're going to both be on our show. Okay. Okay, around the Frozen Four time. Excellent. Okay, because Adam will will be here for the yep. for the Frozen Four, and and I know you're busy, but you gotta take when you're in Minnesota. Hey, you, if you know, Pat Nicoletti rings your phone, you pick it up. Okay, Beyond Adam? the Pond <laughs> is number one. Okay, <laughs> you got it. So no other. We're gonna and we're gonna get you in studio. We're gonna get Schloss in studio, and we're gonna hammer this thing out. All right. You yep. don't even have to agree that, to it because we know you're going to do it. I, I'm wondering, we, we're, we're up against the clock. I, I just want to get your, your thoughts on the Gophers and where they stand from an outsider's perspective. Yeah. We know how careful Pat feels now. about them. Careful now. But go ahead and give us your uh, two cents on the, the Gophers and where they are this year. If I don't say they're the greatest team on the planet, I get all the hate now. But, uh, it, it, no, it's all good. Uh, I think that there's about – 10 teams that yes. won a national championship this year. Yep. And there's really not much separation between them. So when Minnesota is currently eight or nine or wherever they're hovering around, it's really not a cause for alarm at all. I don't think because there's really not much difference between them and anybody else out there right now. So, you know, I think uh, there's nothing wrong with obviously at the beginning of the year, they were still sort of shell shocked from last year. They had a lot of change as a lot of the top teams do. And they had it to uh, needed time to, figure that out and get all the lines straightened out and with the defense straightened out and so on and so forth. But um, now that that's all here, there's nothing wrong with slowly building to March and April. Right. And they've got one of the best goalies in the country. So there you go. Am I going to say right now they're going to win a national championship? No, because I, 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 you know, that'd be crazy. I think any of the 10 have a 10% chance. So you'd be silly. Uh, to put all your money on one team, but they have good, as good a chance as anybody else. Good answer. That, that, that's a good answer. <laughs> Let's do this again, Adam. Uh, we shortchanged you. We could have went so much longer, but I definitely want to get you on again. And maybe like Pat says, we can do it around the Frozen Four. We'll have your buddy uh, Brad Schlossman on, and we'll, we'll make it a, a a real fun affair. No, absolutely. In the meantime, you can read my articles on collegehockeynews.com. There you yes, go. There all is. my opinions are on there. Awesome. <laughs> and Thanks, they are Adam. good. I would uh, – Tell everybody yeah, to and to your read podcast. Those. Your podcasts are fantastic as well. So yep. Well, yeah, they, I appreciate that. David Carl was on our podcast for an hour this week. So yeah. uh, check that I'm, out. I'm it's, on uh, once every five yeah. years with them. So yeah. you know, <laughs> have Pat on and you're on like twice a year. I know. I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. I'm just kidding. Thanks, Adam. Right. Appreciate it. There yep. he is, Adam Woden. Again, you want to find him? You can find him on Twitter at chn underscore Adam Woden. That's W O D O N. And yeah, we you know it. Because Russo hogged up about 30 minutes, and then Brett Blakemore had to take another 10 to Jack. get his opinions out. 
Uh, we we shortchanged Adam a little bit, but it will be good to get him on somewhere around. I gotta uh, go. I got a game. You've got time. What are you expecting today? I, I we got, got a about prep. A minute. I got, I, Give me a preview of the rematch with uh, Penn State. You know, I think the way the Gophers are playing, I think they're going to take care of business today. It's going to be a sold out game. Uh, which uh, you know, and listen, hats off to the, all the students at the university. They they packed the place last night and uh, will today. So it. Um, you know, I'm looking for uh, a sweep. Last week you picked uh, the Chiefs. I picked the 49ers. You change your mind? I know. I'm still on the Chiefs. Are they going to blow them out or is it going to be a close game? Uh, it'll be a, I think it's going to be a great game. A lot of people don't think so. I think it'll be a great game. I hope you're right. The fight doctor. Well, <laughs> Ferdy, yeah. will uh, Taylor perform at halftime? Swifty. Uh, I, I don't think so. I think she'll enjoy it, and, and rightly so, and, uh, and good for them. Will you please tell Frank I said hi? Which, Saratori? No, Mazako. Tell him I said hi. And Wally. I don't know if they like you. I'm kidding. All right, go I'll ahead. say hi to him. Have a good day. We'll you talk too. to you this week. Good job. Bye. Pat Nicoletti making his way down to the U of M campus. Yes, Gophers are on the ice tonight at, or this afternoon at 3 o'clock, 3M Arena at Mariucci. Coming up next, Meat Sauce and his gang of fools. They're going to have some fun here on KFAN, so don't go anywhere. Thanks to Brett Blakemore. Thanks to everyone for joining us today on Beyond the Pond. Hey!